Right. Um, the uh, course of DAF, we all uh, mourn the passing of Rivka House, funerals today at 9 o'clock. Our learning should be Le'ilu Nishmata. She was really such a important member of our community, of our DAF community, of course, of the uh, Orthodox, the, uh, the Jewish community, particularly when we read what's going on these days in terms of Angu notes, how the situation keeps on getting getting worse before it's going to get better. So uh, he did tremendous, tremendous work, and we really, they, for them and for just so many people. So may her may her memory always be for a blessing. Amen. All right. So we start with the um, um, bottom of Nunhamid Bet, the last half of Sukkah. Oh, no, I'm sorry, we did that. Um, uh, okay. So we are, yeah, six lines from the top on Nunvav Amadala. Um, okay, the Atzeret Omer Lo Helech, etc. So on Shmini Atzeret, on Shavuot, they, uh, this is talking about how they would, um, um, do multiple, um, you know, uh, um, when they would divide equally the Kohanim, and uh, they would all work together in the Beit HaMikdash under Galim, and they'd all divide the eating of the Korbanot. And interestingly, although the Avoda of the Lechem, of the Lechem HaPanim, was not, uh, was a normal thing, wasn't a unique regal thing, um, and it was for the, as we're going to find out, for the for the regular Kohanim that exited and that entered, would be the normal division of the Lechem HaPanim. Um, nevertheless, based on a verse, they would divide the Lechem HaPanim as well. So therefore, on Shavuot, amongst all the Kohanim that gathered for the Regal, all the different groups of the Kohanim. So on Shavuot, they would divide the Lechem HaPanim, because it was a Regal, and they would also divide the Shteha Lechem for Shavuot, which was, which was Chametz, um, and therefore uh, every Kohen would get a little bit of Chametz and a little bit of Matzah. So let's take a look. Look, and the Mishnah said, Helech, um, in the language of the Mishnah was Helech Matzah, Helech Chametz. Okay, so notice it mentioned matzah first, which was relevant to the more common one, the lechem hapanim, before mentioning chametz, which was special to the chag, that it was shavuot. So now we're going to get into a fascinating discussion that's uh, almost like uh, something we maybe should have discussed earlier when we're learning the Sechet Sukkah, but the Gemara, since the end is in sight here of the Masechet, the Gemara is going to discuss it now and tie it into this Mishnah. So, Itma, Rava Mar Sukkah when you make the bracha at the night, the first night of Sukkot, first you say Leishev Basukah, and then you say Shehechianu. Rabba Barbachanamar, Zman Bachakach Sukkah. You say Shehechianu, and then you say Leishev Basukah. Now, I will remind you that according to the earlier Brayta quoted in the Gemara, you're supposed to say Shehechianu when you build the Sukkah, um, not only when you go in to sit on Sukkot. Um, but that being said, even already, our practice isn't that way, and even already the Gemara said that I think it was Rav, I forget, one of the Amorayim would, would put it all, you know, put them all together on the coast. That when you're making Kiddush on the first night, there he would say the Leishi Vasuk and the Shechianu, he wouldn't specifically do it earlier, even though that's really the time when you're supposed to. Again, we don't do that already in the Gemara, they weren't doing that, or some weren't doing that. Rashi says the scenario is possible, you forgot to do it, or it's not your Sukkah, you build a sukkah, you're in somebody else's sukkah, so you didn't say the shechianu earlier, you're saying it this night. Um, and the other thing to remember is that the shechianu you say at the night, the first night, has a double duty. One, as I said, is the first, the beginning of the mitzvah of sukkah, um, and therefore that could have been made when you were building the sukkah. And the other is the shechianu that you say at the beginning of every yantiv, which is about the uh, fact that it's a new, uh, it's a new yantiv. Um, and even though it's not particularly a new mitzvah, like you'll say a shechianu on Shavuot night, not related to any particular mitzvah, but a Shekhianu on the Yom. So, um, but, so, we know, so here the question is, what is the order between the Shekhianu and the Leishev Basukah, focusing, let's say for now, on the aspect of the Shekhianu that is about the Mitzvah Sukkah. So therefore, does it come after, or does it come before? Now, you just reflect for a moment on when we make brachas on mitzvot and say Shekhianu, like Hadlakas Neiros or Nitilas Lulav, and we say it after the Birchas HaMitzvah. Okay, but let's see the arguments here that are both ways. So the Gemara says like this, Rav Amar Sukhav Akachachman, first you say Leishev, and then you say Shechianu, Chiyuva Diyoma Adif, first you do the obligation of the day, the, it starts with the mitzvah of Sukkah, Shechianu is, you know, maybe it's uh, tangential to it. it, it's coming as a result of, of, the, of the mitzvah of Leishev Basukkah, but you start with the Chiv of the day, also what's unique to the day is really also what's more significant here, that the Leishev Basukkah is something that is a bracha that is unique to the fact that it is Sukkot, whereas Shechianu is a much more generic bracha, it's much less distinctive. Um, 
Okay. Rabbi Baruchan Amar's man v'achirasuk. And now you start with Shechianu. Why? Tadir v'sheinu tadir tadir kodem. I admit Shechianu is broad and abstract, and it applies in many many scenarios. That's why you say it first, because it's the more common bracha. So here the way the Gemara is framing the issue is: Is it the more distinctive bracha, or is it the more regular bracha? So the Gemara says, Lema Rav Rabba Barbachana Bepluxa the Beishamai Beitil Kamisli. Maybe they are echoing the debate of Beitil Beishamai, famous debate of Beitil Beishamai. What is that debate? The Tanu Rabbanan that our rabbis taught. Dvarim Shabain Beishamai Beitil El Besuda. These are a list of debates between Beitil and Beishamai as they in matters relating to Mio. And we're only going to focus on the first one. There's a whole long list of them. But Beishamai Omi Mevarchal Yom Barchach Mevarchal Ayayin. First, you speak the bracha on the day. This is for Kiddush, right? Um, um, so, Mikadesh HaShabbat, and then you say Bar Priya Gefen, not our order, obviously. You start with Bar Priya Gefen, and then you say Mikadesh HaShabbat. What's the reason of this debate? So, First you do Mikadesh HaShabbat, and then you say, uh, and then you say Bar Priya Gefen, Shayom Gorin Liyayin Shayavo, Lefar Kidesh Shayom, because the the day is the reason you're making Kiddush. Right? You wouldn't be doing Bar Piyagevan. I mean, you might stand because you like to drink wine, but there wouldn't be an idea of making sure you made a Bar Piyagevan were it not for the fact that it was Shabbat. So you start with the basic anchor, what sort of is, is bringing about this whole ritual of Kiddush. It's Mikadesh Shabbat. Okay. And that's point number one. And number two, just sequentially, chronologically, it becomes Shabbos before you make Kiddush. So the order is that way, conceptually and chronologically. Of course, we can make Kiddush before Shabbat. You know, we can do Mikabal Shabbos earlier, but at least in the normal order of things, first you have, first chronologically Shabbat comes first, and then you make Kiddush. And in the conceptual order of things, because it's Shabbat, that's why you're making Kiddush. The wine is coming as a result of Shabbat. You make Mikadesh Shabbat first. Makes a lot of sense. So let's see what Beitil says. Beitil means, no. You start with Barpia Gefen. Number one, it's true you're only saying Kiddush because it's Shabbat, but what in a way allows you to say Kiddush, makes it Kiddush, is wine. Now, of course, as some people might know, it's possible to make Kiddush on bread, but fine, then he would say, you say, first. but the point is, in order to make this into the ritual of Kiddush, you need some object, you need wine or bread. So therefore, that's what frames this as Kiddush. So therefore, that's what comes first. Number one, Davar Acher, and another explanation. Birchas Hayayin Tidira. The Bar Piyagefen is a more common bracha. Birchas Hayom Einat Tidira, and the bracha and the Kadesh Shabbat is a less common one. Tadir Vesheino Tadir Tadir Kodem. And if you have a common and a less common, you do the more common. So basically, while each one gave two reasons, we're going to focus in on the reasons that are relevant to us. And the reasons that are relevant to us is that Beit Hillel says you say the one that is more common first, Bar Piyagefen, and Beit Shammai says you say the one that is more distinctive. Or at least that's the way they're reading Beit Shammai, that the reason you say Shabbat before Bar Piyagefen is because Shabbat is the reason you're saying Kiddush, which I would sort of say is the one that this is, what makes this sort of all about. It's all about the fact that it is Shabbat. So similarly, is that we, we could say that parallels the debate of Sukkah and Shechianu, the more common one first, or the one that more identifies the nature of the day, Sukkah first. Okay, that w- so let's take a look. Of course, um, so let's take a look what the Gemara says. Uh, okay. By the way, you realize that our our psak is the reverse, right? We say Gefen first, which is the more common one by Kiddush, but we say Shechianu afterwards. So obviously the Gemara is not going to stick with the position that these are linked debates. Also, we have one of the Amorayim going like Beit Shammai. So let's take a look what the Gemara says. Lema Rav Damak Beit Shammai, Rav who says that you say Shechianu second is like Beit Shammai, that you say Boropia Gefen second. The Rabbi Barbachana who says you say Shechianu first, Damak Beit Hillel is like Beit Hillel that says you say Boropia Gefen first. So Amalekha Rav, Rav will tell you, Anadami Afil Beit Hillel, I'm saying even according to Beit Hillel. Until now, when did Beit Hillel um, say that you say um, that you say first because you need the wine to make it into Kiddush? So that the reason, the Icar reason of Beit Hillel, he's saying, is not the idea of Tadir. The Icar reason, the primary, Beit Hillel gave two reasons. He threw in the reason of Tadir, but for him, the key reason is that wine makes it into Kiddush. 
Aval hacha, but here, Ilav Zman, if you weren't saying Shechianu, Milo Aminan Sukkah, of course you'd say Lechiba Sukkah and you'd sit in the Sukkah. So the Shechianu is not what makes it into the Mitzvah of Sukkah or what allows you to say the Bracha. So he says, it's true. He gave two reasons. And if you gave the reason of, you know, Tadir, you would say Shechianu first. But I don't believe that's the real reason. I believe the real reason is because the Kiddush, Yayin, is what, is what turns this into Kiddush. Whereas here, Shechianu doesn't turn it into a mitzvah sitting in the sukkah, and therefore you say Shechianu second. And that's actually the way we do it. Rabbi Barbachana, Rabbi Barbachana would say, no, Anadami Yafilu Beit Shemai. I who say you say Shechianu first, could say like Beit Shemai that you do Bari Piyagef and last. Because why, remember, why do I say you say, you say Shechianu first? Because of Tadir. But now I'm going to say, but I don't think Beit Shemai's real reason is Tadir. Adka, I mean, excuse me, let's go. Adka no ami Beit Shammai hasam el ha-shayom garen liyayin she-yavo. Why does Beit Shammai say that you say, um, that you say Mekadesh Shabbat before Bari Pri Agefen? Because the only reason you're doing a Kiddush and you're doing a Bari Pri Agefen is because it's Shabbat. Avalhacha, here, ilav sukkah milo aminan zman. If it weren't for sukkah, would you not say Shechianu? So he's saying, look, remember I started by telling you Shechianu is doing double duty. So he's saying, you know what, in principle, what Beit Shammai says would map onto here. You start with the idea of saying, of saying Kiddush, of saying Mikadesh HaShabbat, and then the Yayin is sort of why you're doing this ritual, and why so you start with the idea of Shabbat, and then Shabbat is what makes you being doing Kiddush, then you say Bore Priyagetan. He says, but here, it's not like if the Shechianu, if the, excuse me, if the Shechianu was only about the mitzvah of sukkah, maybe you'd be right. You start with sukkah, and that's the ikar, and then you say the Shechianu, which is the reason, you know, it starts with the mitzvah of sukkah, and then Shechianu goes on it. The same way it starts with Shabbat, and the Bartri Geffen goes on it. But, he says, you know, Shechianu has an independent significance. Shechianu, you're obligated to say, even if you're not sitting in a sukkah. Shechianu is about, like Raji says, you can be traveling on the road, not have a sukkah, and you still say Shechianu because it's yantis. So therefore, he says, and if you combine the reasons, he's making a powerful argument. He says, Shechianu is tadir. You say it more commonly than sukkah. And for tonight, it's not about sitting in a sukkah. It's about the chag, but it's not about sitting in a sukkah. So this mitzvah, this brach of Shechianu, in a way, precedes logically the sitting in a sukkah. It's about the fact that it's the chag. It's not linked to the sitting in the sukkah. It's a more common bracha. Let's start with saying Shechianu. So that is his argument because it is not linked. The debate of Eitzhila Beit Shammai about before and after is because those two, Kiddush and Mekadesh, Shabbat and Baruch Geffen, are linked into the act of Kiddush. But here he's saying, here people, you should agree with my reason. Because not only is it Tadir, but it, it's an independent Racha, and therefore should, and therefore should come first. Yes? We have Tanayi. They give two explanations for their position. Yeah. And Amora comes along and says one of them is not serious. I don't know the other one. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's not saying it's completely not serious. I mean, Rashi and Tosos both agree. He's sort of saying, yeah, there are two reasons, but obviously anytime you give two reasons, you know, the question is like, are they of equal weight? Is one your primary reason? So if you want to make your position work with another one, you know, you're, you, you know, you're saying, look, I can assume that this one, you know, for, I could make my position work, because maybe this is the Ikar reason and not that. Okay? So now you have, it's very interesting, I mean, the debate of Beit Shilab Shammai in general is interesting in how it links here why this would be different, and just again, if you're sort of losing track of who's saying what, the Ikar is that the idea of saying Shechianu first is really different than that debate because Shechianu has indep- is not just about the mitzvah sitting in a sukkah, it's about the Chag, and therefore is independent, and if it's Tadya, maybe it should come first. And the idea of saying it's second, you know, is very much because the, um, uh, let me just, again, remember what the point was. Oh, right, because, um, because in, a, in, a, in a somewhat similar way, also they're disconnected. It's not like you need the Shechianu um, that, uh, in order to do the mitzvah sitting in a sukkah. And therefore, because sukkah is more distinctive and is what the primary mitzvah sayom is, that should come first. So now we're going to see if how it might debate, how it might connect. <coughs> Clearly, this was a discussion we had to have in Masechet Sukkah. Okay, but now we're going to see how it links to our Mishnah. So the Gemara says like this: It's not. We don't know Mishnah. That Saris Omerlo Helech Matzah Helech On Shavuot they say to the Kohanim, "Here's your Matzah from the Lechem Aponim, and here's your Chametz from the Shtei Halechem." Here Chametz is 
the ikar, uh, meaning it's mentioned first, and matzah is, is given, I'm sorry, no, I've said it wrong. Chamit is the ikar in the sense that it is shavuot, is what is distinctive, and matzah is tafel, it's just a regular thing you would bring on Shabbat from the, from the lechem upon him. And even though that's true, we say, we still are going to say matzah first. So that shows that we will prefer something that is more common, you know, because of the tadir rule, over something that is distinctive to the day. So that really, as Gemara says, boils down to what the debate is about. We admit both sides have said that it's not linked to Beit Hil Beit Shammai because Shechiyanu is somewhat distinct from the mitzvah sitting in a sukkah. Okay, so they're somewhat distinct. So now we're back to the question. Which one comes first? So one argument is Shechianu, because it's Tadir, and the other is Sukkah, because that's what the day is about, and it's more distinctive. So, says, so that's the debate. What do you go by, Tadir, or what's distinctive? So it says, look, that's the case of Matzah and Chametz. And Armish says, you mentioned Matzah first. You do the first one first. So Tshuv to the Rav, that's a contradiction to Rav. Amalcha Rav, Tanai, it's a debate of Tanaim. Detanya, because another, a brighter says, Heilach Matzah, Heilach Chametz, mentions Matzah first, not Chametz, I'm sorry, excuse me. Starts with our Mishnah, mentions Matzah first, and then Chametz. Abashol, oh man, in the Brita, we hear a dissenting view. Abashol, Heilach Chametz, Heilach Matzah, starts with Chametz because that's more distinctive, and then goes to Matzah, which is, while it's more common, is more generic. So that is exactly the debate, although Rav winds up holding a minority position. Now, how are we going to rule? Let's take a look. Because as we are now, Rav is in the minority, and we know that we actually uh, do rule like Rav, but let's take a look. We don't go like Rav. We go Shechianu, and then we say Leishe Basukah. Nope, I'm sorry, you go like Rav. Okay, he was, of course, Braid Rav. Um, you say Sukkah and then Shechianu, like you say Lulav and Shechianu, like you say Lazik Ner Shachanu Khan Shechianu. That's what we do. Of course, we sort of ignore the reason that is on all those other cases of Lulav and Chanukah, Shechianu is not doing double duty. Right, even lulav during the day, it's not the lulav, it's not the shachianu for the yom tov, because that you said last night, right? The Hanukkah doesn't have to do shachayom. You don't say shachianu for the yom tov. So we sort of have said, okay, this follows the natural pattern. Shachianu follows the mitzvah. Um, the, if the mitzvah is the reason you're saying it, although we should, by the way, note that there's an irony there as well, because according to the bright that we learned earlier in the ikar halacha, you when you begin to construct your lulav or construct your you know sukkah, you make a shachianu there. But if you didn't do it when you were making the object and you waited to the doing of the mitzvah, then you're going to say the birchas mitzvah first and then the shechianu. So, but what about the idea that there is some independence to the shechianu, like we say shechianu in Kiddush on Shavuos night? So that's why some people might be aware of the complicated thing that goes on in the Siddur about, again, if you don't do it, you're still Yotze, and not every Siddur says this, but it says that you say you switch the order on the second day of Yantav. Now, why do we switch the order on the second day of Yantav and say the Shechianu before Leisha? So you could say, oh, we're trying to be nice, we're trying to get every, every opinion in there, but that's not true normally. We wouldn't bother, and the Gemara specifically concluded that way. No, it's because the dynamics change. By the second day Yantav, the Shechianu is no longer doing double duty, right? Why not? Because the Shechianu you made on the Sukkah, even in this sort of Sveika de Yoma scenario that that first night wasn't Sukkah, but as I've been telling you, you can make a Shechianu on a new mitzvah when you connect to the object of the mitzvah, like when you build the sukkah. So sitting in the sukkah that first night, even if it weren't theoretically yantav, even if it was like building, it's not worse than building the sukkah. So by the second night, the Shechianu that connects to Leishim Batsukkah is no longer on the table. All you're left with now is the Shechianu that you make at Kiddush. And we make a Shechianu second night yantav, right? Second night, second night of Shavuot, second night of Pesach, you make a Shechianu, not related to any mitzvah. So by the second Second night, it's only it's not the shechianu of the mitzvah; it's only the shechianu of the kiddush. And since you start with the kiddush, right? You say mikadesh Yisrael v'hazmanim, then you say the shechianu that goes with the kiddush, the zman, because that's the shechianu that goes with the kiddush. And then after you're done with that, then you say leishev basuka. Okay, so that's what that whole thing is about. Because by the second night, it is only the shechianu of the kiddush. But the first night, which also the shechianu of the sukkah, we say you start with the sukkah, and then the shechianu, like you say al and Shechianu and Lahad Likner Shechianu. So now you will know what the, all what the, this whole trick is about. You can 
you can impress your friends. Yes, no. <laughs> Question about Nechamapani. We often talk about the hot, fresh loaves that stayed hot all week. Yeah. So we're talking about the matzah that was like a tefak. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It was not the matzah. It's not the it's wafer not stuff we've got. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the real guys. Exactly, exactly. Okay. You just wanted to use it as an opportunity for push for Sephardi matzah. Okay, fine. And I appreciate your saying that. All right. So now we go to, we wrap this up. So it says, things that are not unique to the Chag, other than Lechem Apanim, would not be divided equally. And therefore, anything that you had a, other communal sacrifices, other than the Tamid, the Musaf would be divided, that was unique, but the Tamidim, other, other private sacrifices, Nidarim and Nidavot, that would all go to the Mishmar whose week it actually was. And the Mishnah ends by saying, and all other Korbanot Sibor and everything else. So what do those final phrases mean? Bashar Kovanot Sibor, Lasuye Mai, what does that include? Lasuye Parhelim Tavashel Sibor, Visiri Avadaskochavan, you could have a communal sacrifice that's not linked to the calendar when, you know, you have this, this situation that the entire Klai Yisrael sins. The based in rules and everybody follows it incorrectly, they realize they ruled incorrectly, or when the entire community does a Vodazar, then there are special communal sin offerings which are not linked to the calendar, and that would be the other thing we're including. Most, of course, communal offerings are very much part of the calendar. So who mock is calling? You do everything. What's everything? Lasuye Mai, what do you include? Lasuye Kayatanisbeah. The Kai is like the dessert of the Nisbeach, is the way Rashi says that means the summer vacation or whatever, but the dessert of the Nisbeach, which means when there was uh, very often, it speaks about, you know, if you had to redeem certain animals and so on, the money would go, the Kai the money would go to this generic Korban fund on which they would draw that if Korbanot were not being brought and it would not look appropriate for the Nisbeach to be there, nothing going on, they would draw on it in order to bring these uh, communal sacrifices, these communal olot. Okay, so um, that would be the Kaitz Kaitzamizbeya. All right, so that would be what would be how it would be divided um, on the um, on the Chag with the things that were unique to the Chag divided by everyone. Okay, now we take a look at what's going to happen if it's almost a three-day yantiv. They didn't have three-day yantivs except maybe for Rosh Hashanah, but they had something that came close. <laughs> so let's take a look. Your next mission, last mission. Yom Tov Hasamuch LeShabbat. If you have Yantav that is next to Shabbat, okay, which means that the Yantav falls out, Sukkot falls out on a Sunday, okay, or on a, um, on a, well, okay, it's, it's going into the Chag, it's that Sukkot falls out on a Sunday. So therefore, you had to come a day before Sukkot. You had to come on Friday. Or going out of the Chag, Sukkot falls out on, um, Friday, so you couldn't leave right afterwards. You had to stay over an extra day. So it can't happen with the current. Form. It can't happen with the current calendar, but the current, but the, exactly right. But anyway, but the basic point is because Shabbat either preceded or followed the Chag, you had to come a day early or leave a day early. Uh, come a day early or leave a day late. So you're stuck in the day like this. If you're a Kohen, you're there an extra day, but it, it isn't actually the regal. So, but where anyway, all Kohanim had to be here today. So, do they eat, have an equal participation in the Mikdash on that preceding or following Shabbat? Let's take a look. Okay, there's not going to be a lot of Korbanot. It's only Shabbat. There's going to be the Tamid and the Musaf, and that's it. But okay, let's take a look. Um, and not a huge Musaf either. Shnei Chvasim. All right, so, Yom Tov HaSamach LeShabbat, Ben Mofanei Ben Lecherah. How you call Mishmarot Shavot? Bechiluk Lechem HaPanim. So when it came to the dividing of the Lechem HaPanim, as we already learned, you know, that would be one of the things that would be divided equally, and there, everybody would be the same. Now, why, it, but presumably, interestingly, you know, not for the Tamid and not for the Musaf of Shabbat. And the logic is, because even on the Regal, when they were actually there and supposed to be there, they would not equally divide, they would not do the Tamid. The Tamid was not distinctive to the Regal. And the Musaf is also not distinctive to the Regal. So even if we acknowledge that you have to be here, right, the, the, you only get a portion of the korbanot that are distinctive to the regal. So the Shabbos before, Shabbos afterwards, you're still out. You don't get anything. But what you do get is lechem upon him, because that was not about being distinctive to the regal. So since you had to be here, you'll get a portion of the lechem upon him, which actually is exactly that extra day. Shabbat is when you divide the lechem upon him. Okay? So, um, chaliyos yom echad lahavsik 
Bain Let's say it works out that um, it, it, Yantiv is on Monday. So it's Shabbos, Sunday, Monday. Or it's last day Yantiv is uh, Thursday and then Friday Shabbat. So it's like, okay, who really wants to be traveling in that intervening day? Especially if you don't live nearby, you gotta, you know, you gotta get home and like, you know, just want, you know, one day's travel, it's pretty hard. So therefore, a lot of people would come early in those, or leave late in those scenarios as well. Technically, they didn't have to, but for practical reasons, that would happen a lot. So they also are somewhat expected to be there, but it's somewhat at their discretion. So what portion would they have of the Lechem Hapanim when it hit, the, when it hit Shabbat? So, Mishmar Shizmanu Kavua Hayonoto Eser Chalot. The fixed uh, uh, Mishmar would get 10 out of the 12. Now, actually, it means both the one leaving and the one coming in because um, they would equally divide the Lechem Hapanim. Okay, so, right, Lechem Hapanim, the Shabbos would be the changeover of the changing of the guard, the old Mishmar to the new Mishmar, and basically the way it would work would be that they would, uh, they would take all the 12 loaves and equally divide them, or we'll see in a minute, equally, or maybe a 7-5 division, a 6-6 division, between the Mishmar that was leaving and the Mishmar that was coming in. Okay, so those two Mishmarot, when this happens, get 10 out of the 12, not not 12, but 10 out of the 12, and the other two you give to the Kohanim who decided to come early or stay late. Um, and those extra Kohanim that stayed, that, 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 that stayed late or came early, you know, because of, uh, it was just one day between Shabbat and Yantav, they get two and they divide two amongst them. And, but the normal year, how would, how would you divide the Lechem Apanim? The, the Mishmar coming in would get half of the bread, and the Mishmar that was leaving would get half. No, the one coming in would get seven, the one leaving would get five. We'll see why that is. Now, once we're mentioning the difference between coming in and going out, the ones coming in would, would you know, sit all together and divide up the bread. They'd be sitting in the north part of the Azara, and those leaving in the south. The reason is that the north is the holier part. The north is the more significant part. The north is where, right, when you have a, a many korbanot have to be shechted, al yerach habizbeach tzafona on the north side of the Mizbeach. Um, that's where, you know, Kachim, Kachim, Kachim is all shafted on the north side of the Mizbeach. So therefore, that's like a special status. You could also say it's like a hecker to remind the ones that are coming in. Uh, guys, remember, this is the more important side. If you ever have a doubt where it's to shaft the Korban, do it here. Okay? <laughs> do it on the north. But also, because it's more important, and that's where you shaft Kachim, Kachim, it's more status associated with it. So those coming in were given the ones of greater, were given the place of greater status. Those leaving were doing it in the south. Bilga, which is one of the 24 Mishmarot, always, even when it's coming in, has to divide up its bread in the south. The Tabata Kavua, its ring where they would put the uh, neck of the animal before they shecht it, or the place where they would shecht all the animals, which was in the northern half of the Azara. Anyway, that would be closed up. It couldn't like, if you imagine like, you know, a circular uh, um, uh, ring, you know, made out of metal, and you open it, you know, you open the latch, and you put the neck of the animal in, and you close the latch, so if you seal, if you if you locked it, like I managed to do with my computer right here, you could never you could use it. So basically, they weren't able. They had to shech the animals without the convenience of using this ring, the chalonas and its cubbyhole where it, where they kept their knives, where you know they were was was sealed up. They got locked. They they weren't entitled to have their own cubbyhole. So they obviously were being punished for something, and we will find out what in the Gemara. It's quite fascinating. I don't know. Somebody can give greater explanation for this. Why this Mesecha, which is so much about Sukkot, you know, ends with a Lechem HaPanim, which is an interesting theme to be focusing on. Like, what's the connection of Lechem to Sukkot? Because Lechem certainly connects much more to Pesach and Shavuot than it does to Sukkot. And then to be ending with this, like, punishment here for this particular section of the Koranim, I don't know. But let's take a look at the Gemara. What does it mean if Shabbos proceeds or, you know, it juxtaposes to Yantav immediately before and immediately after? If it means that the first day Yantav came before Shabbat, or the last day of Yantav came after Shabbat, that's crazy. Then Shabbos is during the Yantav. It's not a special case. 
Ella, no. What it means is, lefaneha Yom Tov Acharon, that the last day of Yom Tov came before Shabbat, so then it was followed with Shabbat, and therefore you couldn't go home on the immediately day following. Lachareha, or Yom Tov came after Yom Tov Rishon, the first day of Yom Tov came after Shabbat, so you had to come a day early. Okay. My time. And now, what's the reason that everybody divides equally? Kivan dahani miktani dahani ma'achri. Since the, in those two cases, you had to come early, you had to come late, and you didn't have to leave late, you didn't have a, ch- a choice. You were stuck because of Shabbat. The rabbis established something so that everybody should eat together. I like the phrase. It doesn't just say so that you should be equally entitled to the lechem upon because you're there, but the sense of communal eating that everybody should be eating together. You're all there, so they wanted to make sure that there was, you know, not only was it fair, but that everybody was eating together as a community. Okay, Chal Yom Echad, so the day that break, then you only get those people that decided to come early or stay late, and since in theory they could have, they didn't have to be there that early, they only get two loaves, and, every, and the other two major shifts of the Kohanim get ten. So the Gemara says, the honey tarti maya vidatayu, why are they being given the two loaves? What they, uh, I'm sorry, no, so it's that is not disgusting. That's confusing here. So that's fine. The Gemara understands that it was something that you gave to, that you gave because they came earlier, stayed late. Um, end of that story. Now we move on to the very end of the Mishnah, which is the regular division. The regular division was six and six, um, when you know the two shifts were, were were changing of the guards. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, those that were coming in got seven, and those that were leaving got five. So why did he give more to those coming in than those leaving? Why is there a difference of two loaves? Why does those coming in get two extra loaves? I mean, it's one extra, but anyway, the division is, it's a, it, it, it's a difference of two. So, what's the point of the two extra loaves for the group coming in, according to Rabbi Yehuda? Because they have to close the doors uh, that were opened by the group that was leaving. So the group was leaving open the doors, and now i got to finish the job that you started, So, which is quite funny. Okay, you closed the door, I opened it, right? But somehow it sort of speaks to the fact, I think it's quite fascinating, that like, you know, it's not my job. I, if I had started it, I would close it, but you started it, and now I have to finish your job. So that somehow seemed like extra work, okay? And because it's extra work, we get two extra loads, a tiny little extra work comparable to what's going to be going on the whole week. But let's take a look. The Gemara goes on with this psychology. Okay, because of that, they get two extra. So the Gemara says, the name alay dal bedal. Why not say now? What does this phrase mean? It sort of means like tit for tat, or it's all it all it all you know it all evens out in the end is really what it means. Rashi says the words dal mean to remove. It gets removed from you. It gets removed from me. Rabbeinu Hananel has, I think, a better explanation. Dal does mean to remove. But, um, but Rabbeinu Hananel says, Dili and delay means belonging to me and belonging to you. So when he says Dal, but Dal means this, you know, whatever I get, you lose, and whatever, and, and whatever you get, I lose. In the end, it's all going to work out, right? By the end of the week, I'm going to get five, and the next group's going to get seven. So why should I get seven now just to lose it at the end of the next week? Let's just always keep it at six. Okay, pretty reasonable explanation. So Amar Baye, so says Abaye, Botsina Tava Mikra. So which is another idiom which basically translates as to a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Okay, Botsina is a small gourd, type of a, a cucumber that ripens quickly, and Kra is a large gourd that takes a long time to ripen. So if you're told, would you rather have this cucumber that's ripe now, or would you rather wait a few weeks and you'll have a much larger gourd, is I'll take the cucumber now. So therefore, the group coming in, oh, why do you want seven now? On the way out, you're going to go on get five. You know what? I'll worry about that later. Right now, I want seven. So, <laughs> so it's quite fascinating. And obviously, look, the difference between the amount of work closing the doors for the ones that opened it is so trivial, but it's part of, I think, the idea of giving status to those that are coming in. You know, you've been there the whole week. You're tired about it a little bit or whatever. You're on your way out. You want to sort of build up the excitement and the chashivas, you know, and the sense of you're special. The group coming in, you start, you give them the, you go in the north, you get an extra loaf. That seems to be the idea behind Reb Yehuda. Dove, you wanted to say something? Just, is this accurate? Like, we have no way of knowing how many koanim are in any given mishmar. You could be talking right. about ten guys getting the seven, and we could talk about fifty guys getting the seven. We could talk about thousand. 
that's the, you know, in theory, it's the entire population of Kohanim divided right. by 24. Right. To make it concrete, it's like we don't know what we're talking right. about. Right, exactly, really. exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay, Good. exactly. We have no idea about what the numbers exactly. are. Exactly. All right, fine. So, yes, one does really wonder that question. Like, in practice, not just what was the population of the Kohanim, where did they all come up with regio, but did all of them actually, you know, you know, were trained and practiced in the Beit HaMikdash? You know, was that somehow some subset. I mean, reading the Gemara, it sounds like they're all supposed to be there, and they're all there, but, you know, Maybe I don't know. in the villages, they worked out who's going to go this time, or something I like that. I don't know. Right. Okay, well, no, you're all supposed to be there for the, oh, you mean for that, not for the regal, but when it's your turn, you're all supposed to show up, yeah. yeah. What, what really happens, I don't know. Okay. Amar Yehuda, says Rav Yehuda, ubi musafim chokim. Now, on the musaf, Right, which is uh, the same way they divide the group coming in and the group going out. They divide the lechem haponim. They also divide the musaf because they both were serving today. One group. Here's the point: the group that was there and on its way out did the tamid of shachar. The group that was coming in did the tamid shabain harbayim. So one was the morning shift, and then the other was the afternoon shift. How about the musaf? Okay, now the musaf is normally more associated with the morning, but he says that they divided the musaf. So. The Kamar says like this, May say, I'll ask you on this, Mishmarah Hayotzat, Hayotzait, the leaving Mishmar, Osetamit Yoshachar, Umusafim. They would do the morning Tamid and the Musaf, which normally is bundled with the morning. Mishmarah Hanichneset, and the one entering in, Osetamit Kabein Harbayim, it would do the Tamid of the afternoon, Ubazichin, the Bazichin were the little, um, uh, cups, spoons of incense, frankincense that was, that was offered up on the Mizbeach to allow the Lechem Hapanim to be eaten. Okay, so they would actually offer that up. That was seen as more of an afternoon avoda. The ilu musafim, chokim loktani. So it doesn't say that they divided the musaf. It says the musaf was done by the morning group. So the Gemara says, so, and now it acknowledges that this is talking about who does the avoda. Not who, not who like, you know, uh, you know, not who benefits from it. Um, again, Musaf is, you know, on Shabbat is, uh, is, is Shnech Vasim, it's, it's Olas, there's not even a Chata to eat the meat, but you still question about, like, who gets the skin, so there would be some benefit that you would divide. So this Mishnah is talking about who gets to do the Avoda, but the assumption is, is that who benefits from the Avoda as well is linked to who did it. And it doesn't say that they would divide the skin of the Musaf, okay? Um... So, Mar says, no, it's not talking about who gets the benefit and dividing what's left over. It's talking about who does the offering. I acknowledge the morning Mishmar brings the Musaf, but I say that they equally divide the leather, the skin of the Musaf. Amar Rava. So Rava says, the hot Tana, the Shmuel, the Mai I will show you a Tana from the house of Shmuel that addresses the question of how things are divided, meaning not just the Avoda, but the things you get from the Avoda. And does not say they would divide the Musaf. The Tana, the Shmuel, we turn the house of Shmuel, Mishmaraha Yotzeit, the leaving Mishmar, Osa Tamid Shoshachar, does the morning Tamid, Musafim, and the Musaf. Mishmaraha Nichneset, the one coming in, Osa Tamid Shobein Arbaim, Ubazichim, the after and the frankincense that was for the bread. Arba, and now it discusses about, goes further. Now, how would they do the removal of the bread? This is actually very nice because they divide the lechem upon him. Also, parallel to that, they had both groups working together. There was like a, a joint participation in the actual service related to the bread. How does this work? Four kohanim, two from this, from the you know from each mishmar, the one coming in and the one leaving. and they divide lechem hapanim. So there would so what it, so it doesn't fully spell out was um, was you know the idea that they would um, that the way they would do it would be basically it would be like a table which had you know which had uh, shelves but it was open at both ends and you'd have the new bread and the old bread and you would be putting in the new as somebody on the other side was taking out the old okay and that was sort of done in this partnership with the new group and the old group appropriately you know come in the new and take out the old but at least it was done in partnership and that parallels very nicely that they would divide the lechem upanim here they are coming in going out they do one thing together but it talks about the dividing of the lechem upanim it does discuss who gets it and it doesn't say it says so it's discussing not only who does the avoda but who benefits from it and it does not say that they would divide 
Mishnahid, the, um, the, uh, the Musaf. So, Tiyufta the Rav Yehuda, Tiyufta. That is a full contradiction of Rav Yehuda. Clearly, they would not divide the Musaf. So, each group would do their appropriate aboda, but for the Lechem Apanin, there would actually be an overlap in the taking out and the putting in, as there was an overlap in the group, as there was like a participation or a joint, you know, participation of both groups. They would divide, and they would also therefore divide the Lechem Apanin equally as well. Okay, so now it says like this. Um, Tanu Rabbanan. Now, um, now Rashi, by the way, asks the question, what even was the Havamina that they would get a part of the Musaf if it was brought by the morning Nishmar? And Rashi says, well, because again, talking about leftover things, that sort of leftover work to do, the ones that are coming in the afternoon might have to still, you know, sort of, you know, rotate the meat on the fire of the Mizbeach, stuff that wasn't burning, push it back on the fire pile and so on. So there still was some, you know, wrapping up what was done earlier. But nevertheless, it was basically an avoda of the first group, and they got they got the benefit, they got the skin, but the lechem upon him, which was a joint avoda, they equally divided. Okay, Tanu Rabbanan, Hanichnasim Chokim B'Tzafon, Today, Sheyiru Sheinichnasim, the ones coming in have a distinctive place, so it's clear that they're coming in. Not that north means coming in, but once that becomes their designated space, then it becomes obvious who's the group going in and who's the group going out. Okay, again, to sort of make it clear who's coming in and who's leaving, um, and, you know, there's no sort of confusion about that. So maybe we have some participation, but we also have that, that we're keeping the identities distinct. Now we get to Bilga, which is the very fascinating way of ending the Masechet. Bilga, even when it's coming in, gets to be in, uh, you know, has to be in the south. Now we're going to hear some of the background. A story of Miriam, the daughter of Bilga. Now, obviously not the daughter of Bilga when this thing started. This is in the in middle of the Bayachini period. Uh, the division of the, of the Mishmarot was, you know, way back in Bayat Rishon. So anyway, but it means she was from, the, from, the, from that, those Kohanim. She was from the Mishmar. Her, you know, her, that was her family, was in the Mishmar of Bilga. And she actually um, became an apostate. She rejected Judaism. This was in the period of the Ivanin. She, uh, she went and she identified with uh, Hellenism and with the Greeks. And she went and married one of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Greek uh, um, uh, soldiers. I think that's what it means. What does the Steins out say? Soldier? Okay. A soldier in the Greek army. Uh, officer. Thank you. An officer in the Greek army. Now, of course, look, this is reflecting a reality. You know, we always talk about the Greeks being the bad guys, the Seleucids being the grad guys in the Hanukkah story, which they were, but we ignore the fact that there were tons of Hellenizers as well, Hellenizing Jews. And a lot of the fighting was not just between the Jews and the Greeks, it was between the, the, the from Jews and the Hellenizing Jews, if you would. So she actually was siding with the Hellenizing Jews, and when the Greeks came in, she was thrilled with it. Let's get rid of this you know, religion, and uh, the, this tribal religion, and let's all be part of the Greek world. So, when the Greeks entered in, in the pre hanukkah story, into the temple, so she would kick with her sandal the altar. The, the Amran say to it, Lucas, Lucas, wolf, wolf, right, Lucas, um, how long will you be consuming the Jewish wealth property because they're all bringing all their korbanot um, and you're not there to defend them when they're being attacked so you know she was also rationalizing her uh, decision to abandon uh, to abandon Judaism when they heard this, not only okay, sometimes they were Hellenists, but the fact that she was doing this public, you know, act of defiance and disgrace. So they they made this this they penalized the entire Mishmar Bilga. They fixed its uh, its ring that it couldn't use it for the shita, the satmuat chalona, and they closed up its cubbyhole. The So that's why. That's one version of the story. The Yeshomans is another version of why they were penalized. There was one Shabbos where they basically weren't showing up for work. No, where, where, where's Bilga? It's their turn. No Bilga people went around. So Yeshovev, who was from the previous week, had to stay late and had to do the work that Bilga was supposed to do. So that's why it showed that they did not respect their, you know, own fully their responsibility. And therefore, um, they, um, um, they were penalized from that time onward. Okay, um, okay. 
Normally we say that those that dwell with nearby, you know, neighbors of wicked people don't benefit. Um, and we're, there's going to be a principle of like oil of Russia, oil of Shino. Normally they suffer with the bad things that happen to the wicked people. Um, nevertheless, Shchinei Bilga Nistakru, those that lived close to Bilga, as it were, Yeshovev, the Mishma that came before, benefited. Shebilga Olam Cholekes Bidaron, the Yeshovev Echav Vitzafo, right? You get it? If Bilga, even when they come in, are in the south, that means the group that was there beforehand gets the benefit of being in the north, not only when they come in, but even when they go, right? So now, that makes sense if Yeshovev were the ones that had a cover for Bilga. So they get this indirect benefit. Uh, Bilga is always being penalized vis-a-vis them. Okay? So the Gemara says like this. If you say the entire Mishmar, you know, was sort of um, irresponsible and they didn't show, and maybe this was an ongoing problem, let's assume. It makes it easier to understand why they're being constantly have this penalty associated to them. So, But the Gemara is not only concerned about why it's a long-term knas as opposed to a temporary one, but it's concerned with the, how, who are you penalizing. So if the entire group was irresponsible, then everybody's going to get penalized. Okay, Elamand Amar Miriam Basbilga Shemiradata, but if it was one person, Miriam, who uh, who uh, you know who um, rebelled and who uh, became an apostate, Mishumbarte because of his daughter. Again, it's so funny; it does it in a singular. It's not like one per. You know, it's not it's not Bilga's daughter, but okay. Anyway, but because of one person, Kantinam lately today, we're going to find the entire you know, the entri- entire Mishmar Bilga. Is that fair? So what are you know, collective punishment? It's not fair. So my kids say in school when you know, okay, the whole class is going to stay away. Well, it's collective punishment. That's not fair. So Amar Baye in yeah, tough luck. Sometimes you do have collective punishment. You know, Ami Inchi. If people say and here's why: because it's not just one person's responsibility. The community is responsible as well. Okay, how is the community responsible? Because people will say the babbling, like the you know the the, the casual talk of a child, Bashuka, that he'll talk in the marketplace, he's got to pick it up from somewhere, right? Where did he learn to talk that way? Where did he learn to talk about those things? Where did he get those ideas from? Must have come from the house. So, as we all know as parents, and when, when we're like sort of, you know, and when we're, <laughs> you know, and, and our kids say something that we're like, oh, I can't believe you just said that in public, because where other people are. Anyway, so some, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not true. There also is a playground and other places where to pick things up, but okay. So, <laughs> says, how does somebody, now the point is, maybe, Rashi says, it's not true that like every time somebody went ahead and, you know, sinned or became an apostate, we say, oh, you know, they got that idea from their upbringing. But the idea, not just that she made that type of a choice, but the disgrace, you know, that to which she, uh, you know, uh, um, the way she, like, degraded the, uh, the Mizbeach, you know, destroying the money of Israel. So that's like an attitude that must have come, you know, from amongst a group of Kohanim and their feelings about what does the temple service mean. So that's we're saying that that clearly was uh, something that came from, from from the home, and therefore, of course, the home again. You know, it's one group of Kohanim, one family. There's an entire mishma, which is hundreds of Kohen, hundreds of families or thousands of families. But nevertheless, there was a feeling that these must be some attitudes that are prevalent in this mishma, or else where else she would have uh, would she have picked it up? I mean, it's yes, the shuta just means like the babbling, the the. The talking, yeah, the talk. It's a noun, but it means like the uh, the speech, uh-huh. but not, but like, not, but you know, almost, but, but almost like casual speech. Um, so the Gemara says, um, So now the Gemara asks, it's fine. So in that family, they obviously, um, you know, did not, you know, sp- you know, had negative attitudes towards towards the avoda, towards the mispeach. That would be the family, but we're going to find the entire mishmar. So I'm gonna buy a yeah, oil of us, oil of shechino. Woe to the enemy, woe to the evil person, and woe to his neighbor. Sometimes you get so you get you get caught in the crossfire, which is interesting. Meaning, so there's an aspect of collective punishment which is deserved because sometimes you know the community is also responsible for certain ways in which the commu- individual acts, and sometimes as the broader community, it's not deserved. But, you know what? You have to suffer as a result. You know, there's also obviously a benefit to that, which means that from here on in, the community is going to try to exert its pressure to make sure that these types of things don't happen in the future. Uh, 
Shechino, Tov L'Sadik, Tov L'Shechino. Shenemer, and if it's good to the, and if, it's, if something good happens to a righteous person, his neighbor also benefits. Shenemer, Imut Sadik, Kitov, Kiprima Alulehem, Yochelu. The Tzadik says that it's good because the fruit of their deeds, presumably the deal is going from the singular Tzadik to the Ma'alulehem, the plural, they will eat. Multiple people, not just the Tzadik, but even those that are near the Tzadik. So it's good to stick with a, you know, good Chevrat and good community, and you'll benefit from them as opposed to sticking with those or nearby those that are not. So, Adon Allah HaChaliyah, V'Sleek Allah, Masechet Sukkah. Again, I do not know what to make about this as the ending of the Masechet. I wish I could say something that would be, you know, tie it in nicely. Um, but anyway, um, this is, uh, you know, this, the best I can start thinking about is that it's a sense of, you know, we sort of, the, the, there was a theme of house, of bayit that was very prevalent, of course, in sukkah. I will also say one thing that I wanted to say before, which was, you know, we, we mentioned the amount of talking that gets done sort of towards the, the Beit HaMikdash, you know, during this time, right? You know, when they're doing the Aravas, they say, you know, they say, um, uh, what do they say? Yofi Lechamiz Beach, you know, Yofi Lechamiz Beach, when they're walking out after the, um, to do the Nisuk they turn around and they say, Anuliyah, they name Uliyah, right? So, and then, you know, we had the whole story of Hillel, and Hillel was almost like speaking, doing the other side of the dialogue. He was speaking for God, Imanikan, Hakokan, right? So there's a lot of this, like, dialogue that you never have, talking to the Beit HaMikdash, or, um, and here you have Miriam doing the same thing. She's talking to the altar. So that's, I, I think, a fascinating thing about that talking that gets done. Um, maybe it somehow has to do, again, with this sense of the whole Sukkot, about being about being in God's house and bringing God into our house, so being in the presence of someone, and that intimacy that comes in the presence of a house is about the sense of dialogue and conversation. Maybe that's why some of this is getting verbalized. And maybe also that's why it ends, this is just a drash, I don't know if it really works, but maybe also that's why it ends a little bit with sometimes, you know, families have problems too. <laughs> and you're there in the house, and maybe, you know, and maybe things don't always, uh, you know, don't work out so well and there's, you have to be responsible for everybody in the house there's a real reality that sets in when you're leaving the Beit HaMikdash and you're leaving your sukkah and going back into your house but the reality is that even in the Beit HaMikdash it wasn't always so pashut and some of those types of dynamics uh, were present as well okay so tomorrow we will begin is anybody saying Kaddish?